Sergeant and Mrs. Smith, you are going to love this house. Is that a tub in the kitchen? There's no field manual for finding the right home. But when you do, USAA Homeowners Insurance can help protect it the right way. Restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kitramalides. Sidlow couldn't be here today. He's off doing something very important uh, elsewhere. So um, instead... Producer Al, Alex Kirkland, has interrupted his paternity leave to join me, Al. Yet another heroic act from yours truly. Colossal heroism. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just on a weekly basis now. Uh, So Al's got one baby that is less than two weeks old and another one that's two years old. So you should be in absolute pieces. You look all right. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I mean, look, dear listener, you may well know this if you are a parent. Um, The newborn is quite a lot easier than the two-year-old. Yes. It's the two-year-old that is the is, yes. is the real is the real headache at times, especially at the at the moment. But it's all good. Yes. Well, that's good. That's good. It does feel like the universe is sort of uh, conspiring against us at the moment. Sid's had to um, go away and, and deal with some 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 issues. <laughs> You've got a new baby. There may or may you're not next. Be, well, <laughs> there, well, there may or may not be a five-year-old boy in the back of the car because there is no <laughs> school for kids in Spain today. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting in for me in the back seat. <laughs> yeah. That was my old spot. Yeah. Uh, it was actually there we go uh, but yeah fingers crossed he can keep quiet for the next 25 minutes or so uh, let's take you through what happened uh, in La Liga uh, this week. please do <laughs> imagine that you're talking to a man who spent the last two weeks knee deep in nappies and doesn't really know what's been going on in La Liga well Friday imagine. Friday night there was a uh, very entertaining game and somewhat controversial as well Elche uh, were 2-0 up against Real Betis but they contrived to lose by uh, three goals to two they finished the game with eight men Betis uh, Elche rather and there were some controversial uh, refereeing decisions inexplicable yeah inexplicable refereeing decisions which went against Elche they were not happy at all uh, but a really big win for uh, for Betis Elche remained bottom of the table then on uh, Saturday we saw uh, Espanyol beat Mallorca by uh, two goals to nil friend of the pod Martin Brathwaite we can still call him that even after four Is he years still, I think he's sort of left us behind sort of distant when he got successful yeah sort of it dis- happens. distant acquaintance of the pod Martin Brathwaite man who we once interviewed uh, Martin Brathwaite scored twice uh, uh, Vedat Marucci scored an absolute stunner for uh, Mallorca but it wasn't quite enough. Then Cadiz beat Rio by a goal to nil. Yeah. Um, the worst performance of the season from Rio Vallecano. Cadiz were a little bit better. Sergio Guardiola scored, Guardiola scored the only goal of the game against the side for whom he was playing last season. Then it was the Madrid derby and it finished 1-1 between Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid. Uh, José Jiménez uh, giving uh, Atletico Madrid an unexpected lead after they had controversially been reduced uh, to 10 men with the sending off of Ángel Correa. But off the bench came a teenage hero for Real Madrid, Álvaro Rodríguez, off the bench, scoring his first goal in a Real Madrid shirt with five minutes to go. It was the equaliser and a star is born for Real Madrid. More on that because you did manage to watch the Madrid Yes, start. I did. That was good. That was good. Uh, then a massive, massive win uh, for uh, Valencia. They ended their uh, eight-match or nine-match winless streak uh, with uh, a victory against Real Sociedad at Mestalla. They actually looked pretty decent as well. Uh, Igor Zubeldia uh, putting the ball into his uh, own net, the only goal of the game. Uh, Sunday saw uh, Girona win at San Mames. For the first time ever, they beat Athletic Club by three goals to two. Regular listeners to the podcast will know that once upon a time there was a hashtag, always watch Betis. We're changing it now. 
always watched Girona. Third, yeah. Third top scorers, uh, third worst okay. defence. Their, um, their games are full of goals, full of entertainment, and they play some really good football as well. Uh, Celta Vigo beating Valladolid by three goals to nil. That was really the Gabri Vega show. You absolutely must be watching Gabri Vega He's good, as well. isn't he? It, it, it's the end He's of really Barry Dependencia for, for Celta. It's no longer all on Barry's shoulders because Gabri Vega is, is stepping up. Yeah, two goals and an assist for uh, Gabri Vega. Still only 20 years of age. It's eight league goals for him mm. this season. Now, uh, Harry Seferovic getting the first goal for Celta on his first start as well. He looks a proper player, Gabri Vega. And he looks so good, in fact, that you start to wonder how long Celta can hang on to him. Unfortunately, um, the game that I was commentating, which was Celta via was being... Um, was being streamed live in the UK so English English uh, teams yeah, he has already been linked to a couple of yeah. Premier League teams I saw that over the it's weekend I think we just need to sort of block out he's no good he's rubbish <gasps> oh god he's really good and someone's going to buy him very <laughs> soon uh, then another historic result Almeria beating Barcelona mm. for the first time ever had never beaten Barcelona before, but a goal from El Bilal Touré on 24 minutes, a thumping finish Good it goal. was as well. It's always so much better when goals go in off the crossbar, and this one made a really sort of satisfying sound, hit the crossbar, went in, and um, a terrific, terrific goal. Almeria beating a staggeringly poor Barcelona. One shot on target, all game from Barcelona. To be fair, they have played a lot of matches. They have had some uh, big games in recent weeks not least the match at Old Trafford on Thursday evening but they've got a big enough squad they should be able to do the it. match brought in ass described them as impresentable yes which I quite like just Impresent- disgraceful yeah I mean there are all sorts of um, all sorts of adjectives uh, d- d- disastrous erratic uh, in, the, in the papers today but yeah Barcelona weren't very good at all and then uh, the Sunday night game was another cracker at the uh, Estadio Ramon Sanchez Bijuan where, mm. where Sevilla had won five games in a row in all competitions Osasuna were resting players for their mid week Copa del Rey uh, semi-final against Athletic Club so obviously Osasuna yeah. won 3-2 obviously obviously uh, it was a as we said a, a, a tremendous game uh, in which Osasuna could easily have scored more goals Kike Garcia could have had a hat-trick Nemanja Gudeli scored an unbelievably good goal from distance it's becoming his trade. does that now. yeah I mean he didn't do it for three years <laughs> didn't score a goal for Sevilla for three years and he scored three unbelievably good goals this season wasn't enough for Sevilla uh, with uh, Osasuna picking up all three points ending up their their mini little slump and going into the Copa del Rey semi-finals in the best possible fashion there is football this week uh, in the Copa del Rey the semi-final on Wednesday night the first leg at El Sadar it's going to be pretty special it's Osasuna against Athletic Club and then on Thursday night it's also going to be pretty special mm. at the Bernabeu. It's a Clásico Real Madrid against Barcelona. Got Monday night football in La Liga as well. It's Villarreal against Getafe. Uh, that's a big game. I mean, Villarreal have lost four matches in a row and Getafe uh, are second bottom. So let's see what happens in that game. To the Madrid derby then. <laughs> the one game you watched this weekend. The one game you watched in the last uh, <laughs> let's go in few depth. weeks. Let's go in depth. <laughs> it's all right. We can, we, we can talk around other yeah. stuff as well. Uh, but the Madrid derby was conditioned... By the sending off, which has caused a number of headlines out, a number of really furious, furious debates on the radio and in print. Also, an an internal debate in the TSFP WhatsApp group between you and Sid over whether this was a, a sending off or not. I mean, he felt, I mean, surprising, actually. Sid is usually one who is pretty much up for, uh, you know, a bit of physicality, a bit of old school sort football. Of, yeah, 1980s yeah. English football style. Yeah, if yeah. it was good in the 1980s, it's good enough for Sid. But that applies to all sorts of things for everything. him, including, yeah. Well, more including, or less yeah. everything. Uh, including, including physicality. Including football as well. I thought this was, um, 
This was definitely not. This was might not even have been a foul. I mean, it was just two players coming really? together. He's sort of shrugging him off with. He shrugs him off with his elbow. Is it I think it's Ankel Correa uh, shrugging off. As as Antonio as Kitro is saying this, he's doing the gesture that he's describing. I feel, I don't I don't think shrugging off is with an is, elbow. Is accurate. Shrugging with Can an elbow. Can you shrug with an elbow? It's a sort of push that's, shrug. That's inherently not a shrug. It's just sort of a push shrug. I I don't know, man. No. I I think he was I think it was a bit silly. Like maybe he's a little bit unfortunate, but I don't think. I don't think he can have too many complaints at the same time. I enjoyed uh, Diego Simeone's reaction to yes. this at the time on the touchline. You could clearly see him gesturing about how little Angelito Correa yes. is compared to the, uh, the pole-axed... Uh, yeah, he really had one hand floor. up here and one yeah. hand down there, saying, look how much bigger he is. And then he said afterwards, you know, he's one metre 94. I mean, maybe Correa down. was trying to elbow him in the face, but he just couldn't reach. <laughs> so it was in, I, I, I think it was an elbow. I don't think it was a shrug. Uh, maybe that's a semantic point. I don't know. But like I say, I... Yeah. I, I don't think I think I, I think it was a bit silly um, to be fair and we're not going to dwell on this but if you watch the Celta Vigo Valladolid game as I know you know, everyone listening did sure um, there was a red card shown for Selim Amala uh, five minutes from time for Valladolid a straight red which is an absolutely ludicrous decision go and watch it it's a, you know, it's a yellow card and the referee is right there right in front of him so quickly brandishing the red card and it just feels like refs are really quick to brandish red cards well it's something that we've talked about a lot but what's interesting is that I've noticed in the media here over the last couple of days there's been a focus on this on the number of red cards that we see in La Liga compared to other European leagues and how much this is conditioning the game and the spectacle and what we see and it's not news to us because no. we've, we've talked about this for, for a while. There's no doubt that La Liga referees, I think, are too cards happy. And we see the consequences every weekend. Uh, so that did condition the game uh, somewhat. I mean, it, was, yeah. it wasn't a great game. Um, uh, the, the Madrid derby often isn't. It was yeah. interesting. I was watching this on, on TV, of course, because as mentioned, I'm theoretically on paternity leave. And so I wasn't at the game in the stadium as I normally would be. Yes. And on the Spanish coverage of the game, uh, the sort of the tagline they'd gone with for this game was best derby in the world. So you heard that phrase, el mejor derby del mundo. You heard it 15 times in the really? build-up to this game. And I was sat there thinking, I mean, it's not, is it? <laughs> it's not the best. Certainly not in terms of spectacle. Like Very rarely is the Madrid derby a fantastic footballing occasion. I mean, think back over the last decade. You know, if I ask you to name sort of the best five Clásicos or the top 10 Clásicos, yeah. you could do it like that. Yeah. You could roll them off yeah, one yeah, after yeah, the yeah. other. Tell me the best Madrid derbies of the last decade. We could talk about sort of the most high-profile ones yeah. in, in, in the Champions League final, in the Copa del Rey final, mm. games that have, you know, maybe played a role in deciding title races. Yeah. But in terms of sort of the best ones, it doesn't tend to be very good. It tends to be a scrap. Mm. Um, and this one was was pretty much the same. I think you saw it a little bit in the team that Atletico picked to to go to the Bernabeu, and yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't a great spectacle. It sort of came to life at, at the end mm. with the goals, but even the goals were quite sort of fitting, weren't they? Because they weren't necessarily kind of you know flowing, or they weren't at all sort of flowing no. moves. They were two thumping headers. Uh, they were two really good headers. Uh, I, I love the Atletico Madrid goal. The ball in from Griezmann is absolutely yes, perfect. It's, it's the run, the run from Jose Maximena is is fantastically well timed, and the connection he gets is is terrific. It's, a, it's an absolutely fantastic goal. Yeah, I miss I miss him a little bit. Yeah, um, I miss the player that he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't necessarily seem to be anymore, and injuries played a large, large part in that. But I, I enjoyed this goal as a reminder of what I enjoy about him, which is this, yeah, sort of such a physical 
presence and the way that he threw himself at that ball. And it was a very good header. It was. And then at the other end, we got Alvaro Rodriguez. And people were getting carried away with him last weekend after he came on and gave two assists in five minutes against uh, Osasuna, only one of which counted. So imagine how excited now people we are getting. can get carried away. With this goal, I mean, he is only 18, only 18. And it was very interesting to hear what Carlo Ancelotti said after the game as well, wasn't he? He said um, he's going to be in the first team next yeah. season. I mean, he's only 18, but but look at him. Yeah, like, the, the, you, One you, meter you can see. Yeah, which is what, six foot two or something like that? Yeah. Uh, for our listeners who favour yeah. imperial measurements, maybe yes. six foot three. Um, he's got that physique. It's the first thing you notice about him. It's something that Ancelotti has talked about on his other... Um, coaches have uh, have talked about as well. He he already looks like a man. He mm. doesn't look like a boy at all. We saw it with this header, and you can see why he could be a very useful option, a plan B for for Madrid. It's interesting because my understanding is that as a youngster, he played on the wing. Right. Um, he was at Girona, born yes. in in Palamos yes. on the Costa Brava, famous for its prawns. Yes. Not of interest to you because you're not a prawn guy. I'm not, but a um, lot but of people are. Palamos prawns are are, are pretty legendary. Um, but of course, of Uruguayan heritage, we're going to have to well, think. Well, I up, mean, his dad's Uruguayan. Yeah, yeah, sure. And why and he's chosen to play for, he's Uruguay, to play for Uruguay at youth level, and and probably. But, I mean, yeah, everybody say, ah, oh, the Uruguayan, the Uruguayan, fine. And nationality is, you know, a very personal thing. And if he's choosing to represent Uruguay as well, but you mm. know, his mum's Spanish, was born and raised in in Spain. Okay, and um, we're not going to be starting off some sort of you know steam based <laughs> locomotive for for him. We know that Fede has the Uruguayan hype train. I mean, it took a while for that hype train to get going. It took you, a for a long while. time, it was just you, yeah. just shoveling coal. <laughs> And then it finally sort of reached yeah. a decent velocity. Um, but no, he, he's been talked about for a little while. He joined Madrid from Girona from, yes. their, from their academy in 2020. Um, he was fast-tracked uh, with Real Madrid. I think he would have gone into the Juvenil C, which is the under-17s. But he was Raul, um, coach of Castilla, looked at him and said, I like the look of this guy and fast-tracked him to Castilla, already scoring goals for Castilla, already scoring goals for Uruguay. I think he was in the under-20 South American yeah. Championships recently. Um, looks like a player. And as you say, Ancelotti wants him to be a part of the first-team squad. Um, it's a position that Real Madrid have needed to strengthen <laughs> because Mariano Diaz is not a factor. And the idea earlier in the <laughs> season... Word for him, yeah. <laughs> it's not a factor. I mean, he's a factor in, t- in terms of expenses, Real Madrid's expenses, yes. but not really on the, on the pitch. Um, this idea from earlier in the season that Eden Hazard could be a, a false nine alternative to Benzema Goodness me, disappeared very quietly now. and very yeah. quickly. Yeah. Um, let's just never talk about that again. Yes. And so Madrid have needed an alternative to Benzema and Rodrigo has been the guy, but it's not quite his position. And maybe now, I mean, Alvaro is making a case for it to be for it to be him for the rest of the season and for next season as well. Um, Madrid, we've reported this for, for ESPN, that they've been looking at bringing in a forward in, in the summer yes. to act as a backup for Benzema. But the problem is that the last few backups to Benzema haven't worked. Haven't worked. You know, Jovic came and went. Yeah. Mariano Diaz came and stayed. Yes. But will be leaving when his contract expires. Yes. It's a difficult thing to come in and be a backup. And probably the best way to do it yeah. is to have a, a young player who sort of can accept that role. And, yeah. and it could be Alvaro. Yeah, Mariano Diaz came and resolutely refused to leave. Yeah. Absolutely. No, refused and it, to leave. Well, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yes, he's got a massive, massive, massive contract that he's not going to get anywhere else, and, and why not? But um, Al- Alvaro yeah. looks like he's going to be the guy. Uh, there's a story in Ask this morning, and uh, they say that Real Madrid uh, are not going to go into the transfer market this summer because they have the Polvora Cubierta. 
the firepower covered. I mean, with uh, with, with, with Alvaro Rodriguez. Yeah, which I mean, means that, no Mbappe or no Haaland this summer. Maybe in twenty twenty four. Yeah, that's the sort of story that you get after a performance of like this. Like I say, our our, our story <laughs> with ESPN just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, um, was they were looking at players. Um, they hadn't necessarily identified a candidate, but looking at players like. Vlavic at Juventus and they liked even someone like Richarlison although I think he'd be basically impossible to get out of Spurs um, but they were looking at players like that mm. um, but maybe yeah, it's, it's the, the kind of thing that if between now and the end of the season Alvaro makes a, a case and he's, he couldn't have as you say couldn't have done much more yes. um, uh, than he's done in the last couple of games um, then maybe um, they won't have yeah they won't have to spend that money in, because it, it would be going out and spending a lot that's the problem, isn't it? It would be going out and spending a lot of money yes. for a backup player, which you don't necessarily. I mean, you want to go and spend your money on someone like Bellingham. You don't want to necessarily <laughs> spend it on a on a backup striker, which they fully intend to do. So Real Madrid drawing with Atletico Madrid at the time. Title race over, finished, didn't, done. Didn't feel good, did it? We we thought, well, you know, uh, that's it for the title race. I mean, you know, we don't. I, I, I genuinely don't mind if Real Madrid or Barcelona or Atletico Madrid or anyone wins the title. Um, that's not not. But we, you know, it would be nice for us if we did have a title race. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that, that's all we fun. want. Um, in terms a, a procession of, isn't isn't all that much fun. No, but. Barcelona. Thank goodness. Thank, goodness. Thank you, Barcelona. Well done. Thank goodness for Almeria, by the way, uh, who yeah. um, have got an unbelievably good home record. Unbe- at the Power Horse Stadium. At the Power Horse Stadium. Uh, seven wins. Only Barcelona have got more home wins this season uh, than Almeria, just as well, because they haven't won away from home uh, all season. And it's funny because it is... It's not a particular... It's not a particularly cauldron-like atmosphere there. It's not a big stadium. It's not a stadium where the fans are on top of you. No, Quite the opposite. although what they've done in terms of um, behind the goals, bringing those stands forwards helps a bit. But still on the side, on the yeah. sides, you're still quite far away from the uh, from the action. It's a, it's it's a strange stadium, but uh, it's somewhere where Almeria have played well this season. And I was, you know, I've been writing about them today, which is why I've got these um, sort of stats fresh in my mind. I was looking through. They've had 14 different goal scorers this season. Mm. That's the most of anyone uh, in, in, in La Liga. And I guess if you're in a relegation battle, which they are, having players who can chip in with goals uh, is very, very important. They lost Umar Sadiq at mm. the start of the season, right at the end of the summer transfer window. They brought in El Bilal Touré, who scored six goals. It's not a bad return. It's not yeah. overly prolific. But if you look at what those six goals have meant, they've directly contributed well, to five points. That's the important yeah. thing, isn't it? It's not just about the number of goals. It's, it's about the value of those goals. Absolutely. It's not stat padding. And, and um, you see, he's an exciting player. He's only 21 as well. So um, uh, he could be uh, one to watch for the, for the future. Barcelona, really very disappointing in this game. They played... You know what? They, they just looked a bit tired, as which is, I guess is understandable for... For, for for Barcelona and Real Madrid, although at the end, they were just slinging in crosses, fine, but they weren't even doing that particularly well either. It so. was um, Ronald Araujo doing the old, yes. um, almost Gerard Piquet routine of yes. centre-back as centre-forward right at the end, and he got on the end of one or two, didn't he, but just couldn't couldn't stick it in the back of the net. Uh, and now we're hearing uh, today that, that Bobby Lewandowski has yeah. a sobrecarga, which is, you're, you're good at translating uh, uh, um, injuries. A, a strain? A strain. Did you call it a strain? Yeah. He's got a strain, so he might be a doubt for the for the cup game. And obviously, he why, why do you say I'm good at translating injuries? Where's that come from? Well, because you have to do it for your job, don't you? I suppose for ESPN, yeah. you know. Okay, all right. There's right. <laughs> a weird speciality to be the one thing you're good at. <laughs> you're really good at that, and many other things as well. But yeah, Bobby but also Le- my wife's a doctor, so she can help out sometimes. That's with true. The, That's with true. The medical vocab. Uh, Bobby Lewandowski may be uh, a doubt for uh, for Thursday's game uh, at the Bernabeu, which would obviously be a really big blow yeah. if you don't have Pedri and you don't have Usman Dembele, and then you don't have. 
Lewandowski, uh, Ansu Fati as well was out injured. So, oof. Let's see. Well, Let's especially see. given the sort of the narrative now coming out of Barcelona after their European exit. Yeah. It, I mean, it's amazing how much the seasons of Madrid and Barca depend on <laughs> European success because it's been, oh, look, at least you've got to get a domestic double. At least you've got to win the league and win the cup. And then you've sort of saved your season, yeah. which is a bizarre position to, to be <laughs> I mean, in. But that's how people talk. I mean, literally one week ago, the headline in, in the Barcelona sports papers was, Carnival, Barcelona Carnival. Yeah. Everything was great. There were eight points clear at the top of the table. And then table. suddenly it's sort of front pages all in black. Yes. And like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Disaster. I mean, they're never far away from disaster, Real Madrid and Barcelona. We know that. And obviously, uh, one season very much conditions uh, the other. Uh, so, uh, so there we go. Barcelona uh, giving us a little bit of hope in terms of uh, the title race. I mean, so what's it? Seven points, isn't it now? It's seven points. I mean, you know. That's, I mean, that's not insurmountable from a... Madrid point of view but I don't I don't know do you look at this Madrid and think that they could achieve the level of consistency in the league between now and the end of the season to overtake Barca with a seven point gap I don't don't think so they go I, to, I don't think so they either. go to Betis next weekend and I don't necessarily think they yeah. win there Barcelona hosting Valencia um, so who knows what on earth is going to happen uh, there but uh, I mean, yeah. Madrid might they might close the gap and yeah. they might get close but I can't see them overhauling Barca at this point mm. Uh, Real Sociedad on 43 points Atletico Madrid on 42 Betis on 40 that is the battle uh, for the Champions League spots uh, as well uh, we're over at Patreon by the way patreon.com forward slash TSFP for all your uh, Spanish footballing needs we're there throughout the week with Q&A podcasts on a Tuesday bonus podcasts on a uh, Thursday or Friday and also our special series TSFP presents we've been doing top fives our historic look back at everything that's great about Spanish football and soon we might have something new and exciting mind we on the TSFP presents yes we might we might get a little bit cultural yeah we might head into a little corner we might that we all know is the cultural corner yes that's the plan yes we'll the, pl- see. the plan is to do some more Rincón Cultural a cultural corner uh, content uh, thanks very much for listening wherever you've been listening a slightly shorter podcast this week we desperately wanted to get this podcast out for you guys and we've made a big effort to try and do so uh, so um, hopefully, hopefully it's appreciated now I said <laughs> I said we've got content coming up on Patreon next week. Uh, we'll see how Sydney is. Uh, we, th- we, th- we think it should be okay for two yeah, so um, a Q&A crossed. podcast uh, tomorrow. So, um, uh, so we'll see. Thanks very much for uh, uh, listening, amigos. Thanks to my son in the background for being very, very quiet. Uh, thanks to your wife for taking care of the baby while you're recording. It's, it's a long list of thank yous today, isn't it? It's a long yeah. list of thank yous, but thanks to you guys for listening uh, mainly. And uh, we'll speak again very soon, amigos. Adios. Bye. Bye.